glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you know if they had it? <laughs> uh, it's healing school. Thank you, Father. We're so glad to be in the house. We had a good, powerful time of prayer, lifting people up, uh, claiming and declaring and praying them out of bondages and out of sicknesses and disease. We've had testimonies for divine healings taking place. Um, and uh, we're just so glad that God hears the prayers of the righteous and that he answers them. Amen. We're so thankful. And uh, we are going through healing through the Gospels. We've done Matthew. Uh, we've done all of the ones in Mark that weren't followed up in Ma with Matthew, all the kind of independent ones. Um, and now we're looking at the book of Luke. We've got three more healings to look at in Luke. And uh, then we've got uh, two in John that are not covered anywhere else in the Gospels. And then we'll be done with all of the healings in the Gospels. Uh, I don't know if we'll get through all five of them today, but we'll see uh, the five that we have left. We'll see how far we get. Amen. Uh, so we're going to pick up here in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And as you find Luke 13, Pastor Mike, why don't you just pray for the receiving of the word? Oh, Lord, we thank you for being here with us, Lord. We just know that, that you love us and you've made a way for us and that you're helping us to learn about healing. Lord, reveal your wisdom and your knowledge to us that we might learn and to become more like you and to stand in your ways and to be able to pray for those that need healing lord we thank just you, thank father. you lord in jesus name thank you fathers he was praying i was thinking about this i think four of the five if not all five of these uh jesus healed on the sabbath jesus healed on the sabbath out of i, I know four i believe all five of them he healed he healed people on the Sabbath day. He seemed to make it a habit. To uh, heal on the the Sabbath. Sabbath day under Jewish law was a day of no work. Uh, it was the day. It was a holy day. It was a day committed to God. Um, and the Jews and the, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You need to understand that the, the Jews that were upset with Jesus. It wasn't your common everyday Jewish followers. The Jews that were upset were, that were so upset with Jesus were the Jewish leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees uh, followed the fullness of the Old Testament, but they tended to lean on um, not just the fullness of the Old Testament, but they also leaned on their prophets and their teachers of their day, um, kind of more so than the scriptures. And then um, the Sadducees, they only, they only went by the first five books of the Bible, the, Torah, the, the Pentateuch or the Torah. They only went by the first five. And so the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't, uh, they didn't believe in the writings of the prophets. Uh, it basically, if it, wasn't, if it didn't have to do with Moses, they didn't believe it. They didn't receive it. Uh, they just kind of just said, no, we don't have anything to do with that. So there was conflict between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and these were the leaders of all of the Jewish people. And then, um, you, above this, the, and then you had what was called the Council of the Sanhedrin, which was the high council. It was the court of the Jewish people, and, the, and it was primarily made up of Sadducees. Uh, so you've got all these under people that are living by the Old Testament, by the fullness of the Old Testament, and they're being largely ruled by people that only go by the first five books. Can, so can you imagine 
the the stress and the pressure and the tension. So they would have been all about the law and Leviticus. Yes. So uh, very. So these people were very, very much so Levitical law oriented. And you don't break the law. You don't segue from the law. From the law. There's no. Um, they they really didn't follow in through the seasons with God. Um, and through the different dispensations of God, they just had to, they were, basically they were very rigid, very, very rigid, very, very unmovable. And so under the law, the Levitical law, um, the Sabbath, uh, because of how the Jewish days go, the Jewish days go from evening, they, they start at, uh, at sunset, and then they go through from sunset to sunset, um, Right, Friday night to Saturday evening type thing uh, would be for from Friday night to Saturday evening would be their Sabbath, and under their law, uh, they're not allowed to travel more than a mile. They're not allowed to do any work. They do all of their preparations the day before, and if it was a holy Sabbath or a high Sabbath, in other words, if there was a holy feast in the middle of the week then what would happen is instead of the Sabbath going from just Friday evening to Saturday evening, a lot of times it would go from Wednesday evening to Thursday evening, and you have a little break, and then you're right back into it from Friday evening to Saturday evening. And so they'd plan for that, and sometimes the Sabbaths would just go for days. So they would do different, um, uh, they, depending on how many Sabbaths they had in a row, would depend on how much prep and how much work they would do. Um, and so they were very rigid about this. And so Jesus, and in fact, Miss Kathy was just there, and they're still very rigid about it. Oh, there you go. Work. So for those that are on, those that are online that couldn't hear that. They have, over in Israel, they have a Shabbat elevator. Shabbat is the, is the word for Sabbath. And um, basically, the Shabbat elevator, you're not allowed to push the button because that's considered work. And basically, when you get on the elevator, you just have to stop at every floor. The, uh, the uh, elevator just automatically stops floor by floor. Uh, that's how rigid they are. Um, and uh, Colby, a, a, another dear friend of ours, was just there uh, a couple months before Kathy. And I, we went and sat and had dinner with them. And I said, so now that we're face-to-face, tell me how was your trip to Israel? And he said, I was unprepared, and it freaked me out. He's younger, 20s. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you mean you were unprepared? He said, I've never seen so much religion, so much law, so much dogma, so much just hard-headed, immovable religion in all the days of my life. He said it was just... He said, he said, and you're there, and you're, you're in the holy city of God, and you're expecting God, and there's these sirens and these horns that go off multiple times a day, and then there's the thundering prayers of people praying to Allah, and you're trying to connect with God. And he said it was, he said it was, oh, and they're on, yeah, they're on PA systems several times a day. He's just religious, religious, just religious. He talked about how... Uh, you know, they'd go into the temples, and he said the, ten, the, the churches, not the temples, but the churches, they call them temples, and uh, in some of them. And he said that they were, they're, they're very ornate. They've got a lot of statues, a lot of uh, golden statues and silver statues and statues, and it's very ornate. 
and and these are Christians all around them, and the Christians are declaring, "Get down on your knees and kiss their feet, and you'll get a blessing, and you'll do all that." And he's he said it took everything in me to not stand there and scream, "Stop! This is idol worship! Stop!" He said the degree of uh, he just was not prepared for the degree of rigid religion, um, and 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 uh, and it was it was interesting because. When he was headed to Jerusalem, when he was headed to Israel, I had texted him and I said, listen to me. I said, you're going into a very religious region and it has not changed. I said it was very religious in Jesus's day and it has not changed. It's still very religious today. And so we were sitting and we were talking and he said, I'm telling you, it's just as religious there today as it was in Jesus's day. And the amount of religion will overwhelm you. So you have to keep this in mind when you're reading how these Pharisees were responding. And how these Sadducees were responding. So here in Luke chapter 13, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And um, they come and they talk to him. They talk to him about some Galileans that were basically uh, sacrificed by Pilate. And, and Jesus was asking them, do you think that they're greater sinners? In fact, let's just read this. Uh, let's just go ahead and start in verse 1. No, I wasn't going to read it, but the Lord just keeps kind of pulling me there. So let's, let's look at this. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans? Because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. For those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So we don't know. We don't know exactly what happened with the Galileans. We don't know if there were Galileans around when the Jews were doing uh, sacrifices and Pilate's soldiers came in and uh, slayed these Galileans for some purpose, or maybe the Galileans were doing pagan worship. We don't know, uh, but we know that there were sacrifices going on to their gods. And, they, and, and Pilate's people, Pilate and, or, uh, Pilate and or his people came in and slayed them. And, and uh, Jesus and, and, and basically the, the disciples were wanting to know, the Sadducees, Pharisees, the disciples, the people around Jesus, wanted to know uh, what Jesus' take on that situation was. And, then, um, and so Jesus asked them this question. He said, it's amazing this, he said, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all other Galileans. In other words, do you think that these Galileans sinned more than you, so to speak? And we still see this today. We see this when tragedy strikes an area that we know to be heavily endued with sin. We know that there's certain areas um, that, that are just very sinful. I mean, Las Vegas, they, they refer to it as sin city. Uh, you know, when tragedy strikes places like Las Vegas, when tragedy, tragedy strikes places like New York, California, um, 
this, the southern area of Louisiana um, because there's just so much just debauchery in those areas. These are areas that are known for their sin. Uh, people tend to say, well, that's the judgment of God upon those cities. And that's essentially what these people were asking Jesus. And Jesus said, do you think that they were more sinners than you? Because here in the, in, in, with God, sin is sin. Sin is sin. There's not, you know, stealing a candy. I mean, we understand, you know, a child taking a candy bar, that's, yes, it's still sin, but the child doesn't understand it. Versus, uh, or you have a teenager that goes in and, and you know, steals a six-pack. Okay, that's stealing. We get that. Versus a gang goes in and robs a bank. Like, we get the degree of, of bad behavior. Like, we understand it's worse. But at the end of the day, it's still sin. Sin is still sin. And There's, all sin separates you from God. Right. That's right. So that's what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus was saying, don't think that because this tragedy has befallen these people. You know, the other tragedy he talked about is the tower of um, Siloam. 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 That's how it's said. Uh, apparently, from what they, they don't really understand, they don't truly fully know what the tower was. The best that the archaeologists can come up with is that this was perhaps um, an aqueduct tower, that was, but it was some type of tower that was in the middle of construction, and it collapsed and it killed 18 people. Uh, and so uh, he said, you know, rather they were purposely slain or they were tragically killed in an accident, construction accident, uh, do you think that they're more deserving of death than you are, even though you have sin? And uh, so he was talking to them about this. He was teaching them. Um, and let's continue on. Verse 6. And he spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? He said, he said, listen, here comes the vineyard guy. And he says, listen, this fig tree has not produced in three years. It's pulling nutrition out of the ground. Why are you putting the ground through this? Just take the ground out. Just take the tree out. But look at what, look at what happens. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. He's going to fertilize it. Yep. And, if I, and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. How much you know, the, the keeper of the vineyard said, give it another chance. Give it another chance. And so what Jesus was saying was the Father's going to keep giving you chances. Father's going to keep giving you chances. And so he's in the synagogue. He's teaching these wonderful principles about, you know, even though you miss the mark, even though you sin, even though you make harsh, rash judgments, um, I'm here to say, Father, give them another chance. And then look at what happens. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And so a spirit of infirmity is a demonic spirit that brings sickness that seemingly cannot be cured. Uh, we see this today. We see that people deal with sicknesses that they don't respond to the medication like they should, or medical, our medical science, our medical knowledge says, 
you know, we can kind of manage this illness, but we don't really know how to heal it. Uh, we, or they'll say, this, this goes beyond all of our understanding. We don't understand this thing at all. We've done everything we can to heal it. it you, you should have recovered and you're not. There's a good chance that there's a spirit behind that bringing this sickness. Um, and so sickness is, though sickness most of the time is physical sickness in the body, there can be a demon that's causing sickness to remain in a person and not be able to be healed. And that's obvious, and that's what it says here, that this spirit of infirmity was on this woman for 18 years. They had doctors in the day. This is, after all, this is Luke. Luke is the doctor. He is the doctor. And Luke said, listen, everything was tried for this woman. She has a, the spirit of infirmity. There, there's sickness just plagues this woman. All right. And she was bowed together and could not or could in no wise lift herself, lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. So this woman is we've seen people like this even today. This woman was bent over. She was bowed over and she probably walked. She probably had a hump or something 18 years. Her spine was curved permanently in this position, and this is probably, honestly, how she walked through life. Why? Might because have been worse it was, than that. and it probably was, but this because the spirit was just resting and leaning on her, and no matter what they did, they they couldn't get her to straighten. She could she couldn't lift up, and so Jesus called to her and said, "Woman, uh, thou art loosed of thine infirmity." And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. I imagine Jesus probably went to her. He probably laid his hands on her, something like this, and probably said, Thou art loosed, and stood her up. Probably stood her up. Why? Because he had power, authority, might, and dominion to cast that spirit of infirmity out. And obviously, she wanted that spirit gone. Because it went immediately. It went immediately. So this was a woman who was faithfully coming to the synagogue, faithfully looking for Jesus, to, for, for the Messiah to come and for the Messiah to heal her. Zach had a situation in his life where he needed to be set free from demons. How many churches did you go to? He went to 14 different churches looking to be set free. How much you know? He was hungry to be set free. He was hungry to be set free. How much you know this woman was hungry to be set free? Do you think she cared that it was the Sabbath? No, she didn't care. And honestly, it's the Lord's day. How much more? How much more should she be healed on the Sabbath? But look at how these people responded. Thank you, Father God. All right. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. This was a Pharisee or a Sadducee. This was the ruler of the, of the synagogue. Probably a Sadducee. More than likely a Sadducee, high-ranking official in the Jewish community. And he, look at what it was, answered with indignation. In other words, he was mad. He wasn't just, what are you doing? You mean, wow, you can do that? 
wow, you can get them healed? This woman has been coming into this man's synagogue for 18 years, bent over in misery and pain. And all of a sudden, she's standing upright, and, and instead of saying glory to God, he's mad at Jesus. Talk about religious-minded. And why was he mad? Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Don't come to the church on the holy day and be healed. The Father God is the great physician. But, dear Lord, don't come into the house on his day and expect Jesus and expect the Father God to go to work. Just so silly. Silly. But look at what Jesus said. The Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite. Now, I got, I, got, I, got, I got a little... Sometimes these italicized words just get me irritated. He didn't say, Thou hypocrite. Thou is italicized. Jesus, with his own indignation, said, Hypocrite. Hypocrite. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? He's looked at that man. He said, you sorry hypocrite. You take, your, you take the time. You're not supposed to do any work. But yet you'll go out to your barn and you'll unhook your ox. You'll unhook your donkey. You'll lead him to the water trough so he can drink water because he's important to your income. You'll unloose him and take him to the water. But this woman who belongs to Abraham, who Satan has a hold of, you're not going to untie her and take her to the living water of God? What is the matter with you, you sorry hypocrite? Jesus had, listen, this was not our sweet, lovey Jesus that everybody preaches. This was our Jesus. I believe lightning. It doesn't say it here, but I believe fire and lightning struck and came out of his eyes in that moment. I believe he had just as much indignation to that man. I don't believe, I do not for a second think that this Sadducee, this leader, this Pharisee was yelling and probably spitting on Jesus. I don't believe that Jesus said, well, now. You mean he wasn't coexisting with his fellow Jews? Say it again. He wasn't coexisting with his fellow Jews? No. Jesus said, hypocrite, do you not go and loose your ox and your ass? He wasn't cussing. That's what they called them in the day. And take them and get them water? Why would you not loose this woman whom Satan, your enemy, the destroyer of mankind, the one that you're supposed to be standing up against, why would you not loose her out of his wrath and take her to me, the living water, so that she can be healed? Yeah, she's a daughter of Abraham. She's part of your lineage. She's your granny, and you're going to leave her bent over? She's your mother in the faith, and you're going to leave her walking through life like this. Come on. Gee, this, was, this was not a lovey Jesus day. No. <laughs> Let's keep going. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. How much do you know in that moment? 
the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all the students, the Sadducees and Pharisees went. The scribes. The scribes, they all went. Yeah, that man's got a point right there. Boy, we kind of messed this one up, didn't we? And the people, the fellow Jews, the everyday Jews were like, Woo, woo, Jesus, that's the Messiah, come on. We knew our God was the healer. Come on. Let's keep going. Then said he, Unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden. And it grew and waxed a great tree. And the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And again he said, You say, Paul? I said, Glory to God. Okay. And again he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Glory to God. So what did he say? He said, Listen. He said, you can do, he said, man, he said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is at hand, he said, it's like a little mustard seed. He said, all you need is a little bit of faith, and you can toss your little bit of faith out into the field, and a great big tree is going to grow, and even the birds will sit in it. How much you know you got birds sitting in this thing? It's got to have some strength. It's got to have some power. It's got to have some measure to it. How much you know Jesus was disrupting their theology right now? And then leaven is like yeast. Right. So you you can take a big pot of of, of flour. flour and put just a tiny pinch of leaven in there, and you just wait, and it'll yep. grow, and the whole thing Make will it. rise up into a loaf of bread. But here's the deal. you got to add, check it out. In order for that to happen, you've got to add not just water, but you've got to add warm water. You've got to add living water. So you can take, you can take flour... And, and how you do it is you you put it in the you put it in the bowl and you kind of shake it kind of flat and then you you put what they call a well. In other words, you put a little hole in the middle of the flour, and you pour the leaven in there. You pour the yeast in there, and then on top of that yeast, you add some living water, and that living water begins to go to work. And then you stir it all together, and then you and then you put it in a warm place and you cover it. You put it in a warm, still place. And that thing begins to grow. And that thing begins to grow and grow and grow. And where you added a cup or two cups of flour, you got enough bread to feed a family. Where you, before you, you know, I mean, if I walked up to Jackie and said, uh, here's some flour, you need to feed the whole family. She's going to look at that thing and say, we're all going to starve. <laughs> but you add a little bit of living water. You add a little bit of yeast. And then some time and some and, and take some time and put it in the hidden place and let let the yeast do its job and how much you know we're all eating good in a few hours. Well that's what God. Huh? <laughs> Not if she cooks it. <laughs> that's why you let the living God cook it. You it's okay, honey, I can teach you, it'll be all right. It's all right. But how much but but he said, Come on. He said he said, Listen, what he was telling them. What he was telling those that were sitting around in the synagogue, he said, listen. He said, if you'll just have a little bit of faith, you can do what I just did. He said, if you'll have just a little bit of faith, even though you've got dead, wet wood, even though you've got doubters, even though you've got hard religious people, 
If you'll put in just a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust, and you mix it with me, the living water of God, then I will. Uh, then you can. Then you can do great and wonderful things too. He was giving them a heads up. Now we're gonna jump over to, to chapter 14, where we see the next healing. Chapter 14, verse 1. We're just going to skip those teachings because they're kind of more in the same. Uh, but for sake of time, we're just going to jump to chapter 14, verse 1. And, and came, we got a lot to read here because there's a couple things in here. And it came to pass, as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees, to eat bread on the Sabbath day. Now check this out. This was a Pharisee. This Pharisee, remember, they believe in the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament. But this particular Pharisee invited Jesus into his house on the Sabbath, which means, now check this out, they had to either have already prepared for a guest or they had to work on the Sabbath to get something ready for him. So they were either prepared for Jesus to come or they were breaking the Jewish law. Or they were breaking law because they were, they were with the fulfiller of the law. It doesn't tell us. All it tells us is that they were in the house of the chief Pharisees to eat bread. Which means either the bread was already prepared and ready. They had food for another person. Or they were breaking the law because Jesus was with them. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And, on, and, and how do we know this? Because it's the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath day um, <laughs> that they watched him. So here the Pharisees are watching. Like They're like, okay, we're letting you in. We're doing this. We're watching you. Uh, how much you know? Jesus knows all eyes are on him. And look at what he does. And they tried to set him up. Because look, right. look, they invited him to dinner. And who do they sit right in front of him? And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. So dropsy was uh, what they cause what we refer to today as edema or swelling in the body, uh, usually due to heart failure in their day. Heart failure, and the only way that they could that they knew how to treat it was through what they called blood leaching, uh, which was either they would actually put leeches on you and let the leeches suck the the excess water out of you. Or they would do a, a phlebotomy treatment and kind of drain some of the blood and the fluid off of you. That's the only way they knew how to treat it. It wasn't curable in their day. So this was basically, they had the base. So if you know somebody that's dealing with heart failure, you can take them to this right here and say, listen, this man had heart failure and Jesus healed him. This right here. All right. And behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees. This is a setup. And he knew it. This is a setup because not only is the Pharisees there, but the lawyers are there. The ones that know the law the best. And they said, this man cannot listen. How did they, how did they, think, how did, why, how did they think that this was possibly going to work? Obviously, Jesus made it a habit to heal on the Sabbath. Because they invited Jesus on the Sabbath. And they set him down in front of the lawyers. They were making a, they were making a, a criminal case against Jesus. Yep. They were attempting to. And they brought in a man. We don't know. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it was somebody off the street. We don't know. They brought somebody in that had the dropsy. They were in the process. Their body was all swollen. Listen, if you get edema bad enough, fluid will actually seep out of your skin. 
and you'll look wet. It seeps out of you. So, uh, so there was no question that this man had the dropsy. So more than likely, he was seeping fluid. So this man was very sick. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. They said, hmm, Jesus, Jesus turned the uh, setup around on them. Listen, when you've got the Holy Ghost, I guarantee you that Jesus didn't just walk in the door and say, oh, man, that man's got Jossie. Let's heal him. Boom. I believe that Jesus sat there at the table and just looked at that man and was listening to the Father. And he was probably under his breath saying, wow, God. <laughs> hey, hey, Dad. Uh, hey, Father. Um, excuse me. Uh, do you see these people have me set up right here, right now? Are you seeing this, God? Uh, not only have I got the Pharisees, but they got their lawyers with them. And then they set this man in front of me who's seeping. And I'm supposed to be eating and enjoying myself. And this man is suffering. Uh, Father, what do I do? And I believe Jesus just sat there silent, waiting, sat there waiting. And then, they, and then here came the bombshell. Jesus was waiting for the bombshell. Listen, you don't always have to be the first one to say something. You don't always have to be the first one to jump at it. Wait on the Father's timing. Wait to find out exactly, is this a trap? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The doubters and the unbelievers are going to set you up to trap you. And the Bible tells us not to cast our pearls before the swine. And that, what that means is don't, speak, don't, don't share them the knowledge and the wisdom of God if they don't have the ability to hear it. Number one, you're wasting your time. Number two, when they hear it, they're accountable for it. And so don't set them up. Don't, don't you set them up. Let them set you up. So wait. You'll find out. You'll pinpoint people real easy if you let them do the talking. You'll find out if they've got faith to be healed or not. You'll find out. Now, it says here that, um, that they set him in front. But it, never, it doesn't declare that this man said anything. I believe if this man, I believe when they said, when they said, uh, is it lawful to heal somebody on the Sabbath day? I believe if the man with the dropsy said, listen, I'm fixing to check out of here and I'm ready to go. It's all good. Don't bother. Jesus would have left him sick because he wouldn't have had any faith for it. But that man, obviously, when they said, when they said, is it lawful to heal? And I'm sure that man had heard about Jesus. I'm sure that man looked at Jesus with expectation. I mean, I, Jesus probably had to wait and, 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 and wait to see if this man had some type of faith action. That man probably, you know, when you're swollen, it hurts to move. It's painful to move. And so that man probably kind of sat up in his chair a little more. He kind of picked up his head. He probably looked at Jesus like, is this my moment? It doesn't tell us how the man responded. But in order for Jesus to have healed him, he had to have done a faith action. Because, because to be healed, you have to do a faith action. We've seen this time and time again. There has to be a faith action. And it says, and they, he said, when they said it, it, it says, and they held their peace. In other words, the lawyers. The Pharisees, 
the man with the dropsy, they all sat there waiting for the needle to drop. Yep, they were just staring at him, waiting, waiting. But see, I believe the Pharisees and the lawyers were looking at him like, go ahead, break the law. Go ahead, break the law. But I believe that man with the dropsy was looking at him going, is this my time? Is this my moment? Come on. Like, he was probably on the edge of his seat. He was ready to go. He was ready to receive. And Jesus was watching this. Listen, us as people of God, we've got to learn to be people watchers. Because there's people that I've had my heart, I've had a heart of compassion move out for them. And I'm like, come on, God, let me go heal. And I very plainly heard the Spirit of God say, there's no faith for healing. And I said, and I even said, Lord, I can do it on my faith. Use my faith. I'll do it on my faith. And the Lord has said, they've got more doubt and unbelief than your faith can handle. Now, does that mean that my faith is weak? No. It means their doubt and unbelief is huge. So in that situation, I'll say, well, then, Lord, send laborers. Can I go talk to him? He'll say, no, just ask me to send laborers. Okay, Lord, send laborers. But there's been other people that I've gone, and I've said, Lord, Lord said, go pray for them. And I'm like, Lord, they ain't going to have no faith. And I'll go, and I'll pray for them. And man, oh, man, we get the biggest miracles we've ever seen. It's amazing. So you've got to wait for that insider information because the Holy Spirit, the Father of God, knows the intention of their heart. And Jesus, it says, and, Je- and he took and healed him and let him go. In other words, Jesus grabbed a hold of that man. That He reached over. That sappy, wet, seepy skin didn't, fear, didn't bother Jesus a bit. He reached right over. He grabbed a hold of him. He said, be healed. And then he let him go. And instantly that fluid was drained. Supernaturally, that man was healed. I'm betting dinner was over at that point. Yeah, I don't know if there was a puddle <laughs> on the floor. Supernaturally, just I don't know. He just deflated. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it says that he grabbed him. He took him. He took a hold of him. He laid hands on him and healed him. And then he released him and let him go. And answered them saying, look at what he says. Oh, my goodness. Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Listen, he, he took it. He just dealt with the woman. He just dealt with the woman in the, in the synagogue. And he said to them, who's not going to take her and water her? And then he said, who's going to fall into the pit of death? Because how much do you know? If your donkey or your ox falls into a pit, they're going to die. And so basically what he said to them is this man is in the pit of death. Would you not, would you not go and help a donkey? Listen, there's so many people that will help animals, but they won't help another human being. And God said, should you not help the the man that's in the pit? Should you not help the man in the pit? Come on. Should you not help the man in the pit? The pit's in de- the, the man in the, the man in the pit of sickness, death, and disease is the, the man that's in the pit of sickness is just as much risk, at risk of dying as the animal caught in the pit. And that's what Jesus told them. Oh, and look how they responded. Oh my goodness! And they look could not they answer him again to these things. Hmm. Let's keep going. Okay. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. When he marked how they chose out of the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room. Now I want you to think about this. He just cut them deep. He's in the Pharisee's house. 
When you're in somebody's house, don't you give them honor and respect? You treat them well. You treat them nice. You know, you don't challenge them, right? But how much do you know? They challenge Jesus. And so now the Father God said, son, they're fair game. They're fair game. This is our loving God. And God said, go get them, son. Go get them. Go get them. And so Jesus begins to tell him a little story. He says, when thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. Meaning that if you sit down in the highest, the highest room is reserved for the honored, honored guest. Right. So if you sit down in there and then somebody that's more honorable than you comes along and you get shoved out. People are going to know. Ooh, they're going to know. Have the it's it's going gonna, to look bad. In other words, be humble. Yep. He was telling these lawyers and these, and these Pharisees, you need to learn to be humble. You're not as big and powerful as you think you are. That's what he was telling them. And he that bade thee and get and and he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, give this man place, and now begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, friend, go up higher. So Jesus is saying, don't sit in the high one. Go sit in the low one. And then the person that called you will say, hey, why are you sitting at the low table? Come on up here. Right. And then it shows, shows that you're humble and, and it shows honor right. rather than pride. That's right. Okay, so where was I? I've lost it. Eleven, thank you. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I'll give you this example. We tend to push our young people uh, because they're the ones that are learning to grab a hold of the anointing. And they, because, it's, because they're learning, they have a harder time getting, getting a hold of the anointing. So we, we tend to, in this house, we tend to encourage our young people to sit on the front row so that they can come in contact with the anointing first. Uh, but this week we have the Keatons coming. And uh, we want to honor them. And so we always, we'll reserve part of the front row for the Keatons and Pastor Mike and I. If our young people, who we normally give honor to, uh, if they've not been taught right, they're going to come bebopping in the door. They're going to take the front seat, and they're going to sit down. And then Pastor Mike and I are going to walk in with the Keatons, and we're going to have to say, excuse me, I need you to make room for the Keatons. Why? Because they're due higher honor. It would be better for our young people to say, well, the kings are coming, and these are people of honor. These are people that have been serving the Lord for a long time, and we want to make sure that, that they get the best position, best place in the house, so we're going to reserve them a seat. And then if the pastors come and say, hey, no, you're okay. Come take your seat, then it'll be okay. That's what he was talking about. That's what he was talking about. So, you know, it's like, with, it's like when uh, Pastor Mike and I go to Brother Randy's meetings. We're part of the road team. Uh, you don't get to reserve seats, uh, you know, other than the road team and certain ministers. They can get their seats reserved. Um, and Pastor Mike and I, we just wait. We don't, we, I mean, I love to be in the front. I love to be close to the anointing. Uh, that's not because I'm being selfish, but just I like to be, I like the anointing. I like it. So I like to be at the front. And, uh, but when we go to Brother Randy's, we understand and know that we're the pups in the room. Where the baby's in the room. And so we wait and we let the elders 
get there. We let the, the higher ministers, we let them get settled. We let the ushers get settled. And then, and, and we allow the head usher to say, uh, we're going to use you back here for security tonight. Or we're going to, we've got, a, we've got so-and-so and so-and-so. And so we're going to move y'all up to the second row. Woo, baby, that's good. But we're always humble and we're always willing to sit in the back and let them move us to the front. That's what he's talking about here. Or you can go back to, uh, to um, what's it? Uh, I, yes, Jesse Duplantis. Jesse Duplantis, yeah. that's a good one too. That's what I was trying to think of. You know, we went to Jesse Duplantis, and I told the Lord, go into that meeting. You know, Jesse Duplantis, you get a big crowd. People get there several hours early, what have you. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, we can't leave until this time. Miss Kathy was there. Yeah, I said, Lord, I can't, you know, we can't leave until this time. People got to work. You know, we're going to try to get there as early as we can. But, Lord, you know me. I like to be close to the front. I like to, be, I like to get that first wave of the anointing. And we got there, and, man, that place was already full. And we managed to get a seat on the back of the floor. And we were like, <laughs> I mean, we were like, oh, man, that's kind of. But I, told, I just reminded the Lord, I said, Lord, no matter where I sit, I'm happy. I'm just glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here. And here kind of, we're just worshiping. We're just praising. I, now, granted, we had some fruit because we were so far back. We had some fruits and granolas around us. And it was a little distracting. Uh, and, and, and I, I don't, I, I need space when I worship. And so I had, was sitting in the middle and I kind of pulled out and I come to the side. And I was being respectful of the space. But at the same time, I wanted to worship my God. And this man walked up in a sharp purple suit. And he said, ma'am, you got this many people with you? And I said, yeah, we got this many people. He said, yes, ma'am, we got your seats reserved. And, and he ushered us to the second row, and there was a, a, a row of seats that said reserved. And I said, these seats say reserved. And he said, yes, ma'am, they're reserved for you. And uh, I said, there you are. And it was the exact, I said, it was the exact number of seats we needed plus two, and two people had bailed last minute. So it was the exact number of our people that had planned to come. And I said, man, that's good. And uh and a few minutes later, I looked at, and I was looking for the man. I was looking for them. I wouldn't know where to go, where to go, you know. And I said to mom, I said, did you see that man? She said, yeah. I said, he was a black man. She said, yeah. I said, dressed in a purple suit. She said, yeah. And I mean, nice, nice, better than Armani. She said, yeah. I said, purple shoes and everything. She said, yeah. I said, where did he go? And she said, well, he gave us our seats, and then he went up here, and he went around there, and he went behind the curtain. And I said, have you seen him since? And she said, No. And I've been looking for him. And she and I both looked at each other at the same time and said, there was an angel. Because we never saw him again. Never. And uh, how much you know, God reserved the honor seats. Most people would have looked at us and said, get back there. But God saved us the honor seats. But look at what Jesus has to say about this. He's. Then, then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. We're talking healing school. Healing. I love this. He said, he said, listen, when you throw a big shindig, he said, don't make the best seats in the house for your buddy-buddy goody-two-shoe friends. And your rich friends. And your rich friends. 
He said, because, and don't do it just so that they'll do it for you when they throw a big shindig. He said, no. He said, instead, make the best seats for who? Make the best seats for who? What, what verse is it? Uh, 13. Go back to verse 13, Derek. He said, give the best seats for the poor, for the maimed, for the lame, and for the blind. Guess what that angel did for us? Woo! Guess what that angel did for us? Are you calling us he, lamed and, and, and poor? Hey, back <laughs> in that day, we still had some growing to do. Yes, we did. Back in that day, yeah. We were spiritually, mentally, and emotionally maimed. We yeah. were broken. We were broken. Even financially, things were not as good as they should have been. Come on. Uh, we, had, we, had some, we had some spiritual blindness going on. And Jesus said, come on. Come on, children, let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my goodness. Listen, too many people are building their ministries on the football players, the cheerleaders, the lawyers, the doctors, the commissioners, the good hidey up people. The politicians. The politicians and the, and the rock stars and the movie stars. And they all need Jesus. Don't get me wrong. They all need Jesus. But our focus needs to be on the poor, the maimed, the lame and the blind. That needs to be our focus. Because why? Because, because they're the ones that are most receptive to receiving Christ. They're the ones that are most receptive. So, when, so this is a way, believe it or not, doing this is a way to bring healing to somebody. Because at that time, I think every single one of us at that time dealt with feeling with emotions of insecurity and not thinking that we were valuable enough or that we were good enough or that we were good enough and god said no child let me show you how good you are and sent an usher in to walk us up to the second row like we was a somebody why because we were how much you know that brought healing and health healing and health healing and health y'all didn't even know that was in there did you man that was so good we'll just read the last little bit of this all right and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. But you know, you can't pay the Father God for back for that. Well, I ain't no way in the world I can pay the Father God back for that. All I can, the only way I can pay the Father God back for that is to serve him and praise him all the days of my life. Just be about his business. Oh, man, I glorify him. I thank him for it. And he goes on and he gives more examples. I want to go to the last one in Luke, Luke 17. Luke 17. Again, Jesus is teaching. Again, Jesus is doing uh, some works here. And uh, let's look in verse 11. Seven, uh, Luke 17, 11. We'll pick up right here. Jesus has been teaching. And let's look at what happens here. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now notice this. I didn't notice this until I read this today. These ten lepers didn't walk right up on Jesus. They kept their distance. They kept their distance. They kept the Jewish law. They knew that they were not allowed to get close to people because they had an inf a very infectious disease. And so they stood afar off, but that did not stop them from doing a faith, an action of faith. They called out. 
And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They called. They called with a loud voice. It says, actually it says, and they lifted up voices. They lifted up voices. In other words, they were loud enough to make sure that even though Jesus was at a distance, that they would hear, that, that Jesus would know he was specifically talking to them, that they would know that they said, uh, Jesus, you are master, you are Lord. And then they said, have mercy on us. Basically, they said, Jesus, heal us, please. Jesus, heal us. They did a faith action. And look, huh? That is a type of prayer. Absolutely. Prayer is a conversation with God. And so they prayed and they said, Jesus, listen, sometimes when you're faced with a sickness that the doctors tell you there's no hope for, sometimes you've just got to say, Father, have mercy. Amen. You know you're dealing with, with doubt. You know you're dealing with unbelief. Perhaps you know that you've uh, opened the door to sickness and you go, Father, Please have mercy. And the Father will hear that. The Lord Jesus will hear that. And look at how he responds. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. Now he didn't, he didn't lay hands on them. Nope. He, he, didn't, he didn't tell them that they were healed. He just said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. Yep. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, you have to understand. So they had to be obedient. Point, you have to understand at this point, they're still under Jewish law. And according to Jewish law, when you have an illness like leprosy, until you go and show yourself to the Jewish people, until you go show yourself to the priest, and, and, they, and they examine you and make sure that you no longer have the, the, uh, the uh, contagious disease, you are not allowed to go back around people and so what jesus said to them basically they took jesus at his word they took jesus at his word that jesus said he didn't say you're healed he didn't say you're healed so many people are looking for a specific word they're saying if jesus will just do this then i'll know that i'm healed Honey, don't say if Jesus will do it this way. Don't put that restriction on Jesus. Just say if Jesus will give me a word. I don't care how the word comes. I don't care if the word comes through the pastor. I don't care if I'm worshiping and I get the word. I don't care if somebody in my church family comes up to me and just say, Man, I was praying for you the other day, and I heard the Lord say this, and it drops down in your spirit, and it's confirmation. You received a word. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in the sermon and you're here and the word's being preached and all of a sudden the minister says something that just drops down in your spirit and you go, that's it, that's me, that's mine, I got it. All that matters is that you got a word. That you got a word. Uh, Miss Kathy's woken up. She said, I woke up with a word in my spirit. She said, I, I woke up. Remember that time? I don't know if you remember. I don't remember exact details. The Holy Ghost is bringing it to me. I have a perfect memory. But I remember you said, you, I remember you coming and saying, Pastor, I woke up and, and I had a word from the Lord. And now I know that this is, uh, something was going to come to pass or something was going to be okay. I don't remember the exact details, but it's coming to me. And I said, Woo, glory to God, she's got a word. And I mean, that thing came to pass. It came to pass. Why? Because she had a word. She didn't have to have me have a word. She, the Lord gave her a word when she woke up in the morning. It was in her spirit. It was already there. And uh, so it says, and when he saw them, 
when he put their when he put his eyes on them, he said unto them, "Go show yourself to the priest." Now they had understanding that that meant, and or now they could have gotten into doubt and fear and unbelief, because they could have been looking at themselves, and they could have been going, "I'm going to go show myself to the priest, and he's going to think I'm a crazy idiot." But he, but at the same time, they knew. Well, if Jesus said, go show myself to the priest, that must mean that I'm cured. See, they had a word. And they put the faith in the word. And it says, and it came to pass that as they went, as they obeyed, as they did what the Lord told them to do, as the Lord did, they were cleansed. cleansed. In other words, the leprosy, the disease, the rot left. Now, they still had all the scars and whatever parts were missing from the leprosy were still messing, but, but they were cleansed. They were no longer affected by the disease. But man, oh man, look at what happens. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. One out of ten. One out of ten. He, he's looking. He's going and he's going, man, this thing, this is leaving. And he turns back around. He turns back around, and with a loud voice. Honey, he wasn't quiet about this thing. When you receive from God, you will not be quiet. Listen, when you, I guarantee you, the day that Jackie gets out of the faith mobile and in into a good, safe car, she's not going to be quiet. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. I guarantee you, Zach right now is in the first house shoebox. We all remember our shoeboxes, don't we? We all remember the first house shoebox. Right now, he's in the first house shoebox. When God moves him out of that first house shoebox into a nicer place, how much do you know he's going to have a joy and a shout in his life? I can tell you, Brother Richard's back here being miraculously healed and delivered from Parkinson's, and there's a joy and a shout. I, he was telling me, he said, Pastor, he said, the word's working. He said, that arm, he said, it's starting to straighten out. That hand, I can open it up. He said, he said I'm not having the tremors and the shaking, and there was the biggest grin across his face. He's so full of joy. He said, oh, the word is working. How much you know? A shout, a hallelujah, praise the Lord. Well, that's what this man did. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that this man, this man got so excited that he was jumping up and down, hooting and hollering and glorifying God. Yeah, he's going, Jesus, Jesus, oh, thank you, Jesus. He was giving glory, and all he was, and all that, well, all that he had was he was cleansed. He wasn't even he wasn't even made whole. He was cleansed. The disease had left. That was it. So many times we won't give God the glory and the honor until we get the full manifestation. Well, guess what? You're never going to get the full manifestation if you won't give him the glory and the honor. Because look at what happens. Look at what happens. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he, uh, wait, uh, I skipped yeah. the verse. And. You, you had it right. No, okay, okay. All you right. had it right. And, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Check this he out. He wasn't even a Jew. He wasn't even Jewish. He wasn't even Jewish. And he ran. Listen, he wasn't just at a distance going, hey, Jesus. He was running. Jesus! Jesus, he's running. And he gets to Jesus and he falls down at his feet. Paul's down at his feet, and he's not even Jewish. Listen, at this point in time, Jesus was only here for the Jews. Don't, 
tell me that God won't heal the unbeliever. Because technically this man was outside of the covenant. And God healed him anyways. God cleansed him. And not only did God cleanse him, but look at what happens. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. The Jews didn't come back. Just this man outside the covenant came back giving Jesus glory and honor. And look at what happens. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. You know, right about now that Samaritan is on his face. His face is in Jesus' dirty feet. And he's crying and he's praising and he's snotting probably all over Jesus' feet, giving God glory and honor. And all of a sudden Jesus looks down at him and says, Where's the other nine? How about you know in that moment he's going, Did I do something wrong? You know, there was, a, there was an opportunity, but he didn't care because this meant he got to go home to his family. This meant he got to come out of poverty. He could work and earn a living. This meant that God had just set him free out of captivity, out of bondage. And Jesus said, because you thanked me, because you praised me, because you glorified me, I'll do you one better. I'll not just cleanse you, but I'll make you completely whole. A lot of times we miss our wholeness because we fail to worship and praise. We fail to worship and praise. Worship and praise is one of the strongest prayers the believer, the Christian, can pray. One of the strongest prayers that we can pray. Glory, glory, glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we're going to stop right here. We'll finish John next week. Well, we'll finish John in two Sundays. Next Sunday, we finished Luke. We're going to look at two. There's two in John we'll look at. And um, we'll do that, the, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday. Uh, the Kings do have, uh, they do operate and flow in the ministry of healing. However, I don't know that that's what they're going to preach next Sunday night at 6. Because when they come, we do not put any expectation. We do not put any request on them. We want them to come by the Holy Ghost, and we want them to preach what the people need. So make sure that you're in the house next week, and those that are close by, come into the house. You don't want to, it's different when you're in the house. The anointing is different. The power is different. So come into the house, if at all possible, next week. If, you're, if it's not possible, then do, by all means, join us online. Because God will work through the camera, but he can do more. He can do more when you're in the house and in his presence. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Well, if you have a tithe or an offering that you can get that you'd like to give tonight, Pastor Mike, if you'll pray, Zach, if you'll hand me an envelope, please, sir. Right. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for thank you, your teaching on, on healing and thank that you, we that thank to build you, our faith thank for you, healing Father. in your name. You, Lord. Lord, we just we love you and we thank you for your many blessings. And we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we just give into your kingdom with a joyful heart because you gave so much. You gave the ultimate price for us that we would be saved and that we would be healed. And Lord, we just thank you and we love you. And we want to see your king your work done here on earth. So we give into your kingdom. We give with a 
with a generous heart and with, and with a loving heart because you loved us first. Lord, we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work in this earth. And we thank, thank you, you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We, Lord, thank you, Lord. we ask that you bless us for, for giving unto your kingdom, that we can be a bigger blessing and a better blessing to you and to those we come in contact with. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You will not take our health. You will not take our finances. You will not take anything from us. The chains are broken and you must flee. Go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the seed sowed. Father, we thank you that uh, provision and, uh, oh, Lord, increase comes to the people. 